Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is a great day because it is the first episode of our Death Fake Out series. Psych. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, starting us off on a weird tone. Today we have Rihanna. (laughs) I'm so pumped for this series, Ashlyn. I can't believe that we are yet again at the beginning of a new series. It feels like we just started feminism or we just started time travel or something. Like, we just keep zooming past these. It's wild. Yeah, I know. It Sometimes it feels like we've been doing the podcast for a really long time. And sometimes it feels like this is our third week, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> well, I'm really, really excited to talk about Death Fake Outs with the original series today. Obviously, as we do with every series, we are starting from the very beginning chronologically. So obviously, original series came out first. And I want to talk a little bit about because this so this is my choice. Uh, Rihanna chose feminism. I chose death fakeouts. She will choose the next one. And we've already had some tweets of people suggesting what they think the next series should be. And we keep a huge secret vault where we have (laughs) all of the upcoming series that we've thought about. And then... um, we are adding those suggestions to our list. So, and at some point, we're also going to have a dealer's choice series where we will leave the topic in the hands of you listeners. So definitely keep an eye out for that. And yeah, I think that's that's all the business I have. So as we do with the beginning of every series, I want to talk about what death fakeouts are and their role in literature because it is a very common trope to just kill someone and then bring them back. I think obviously its central source is to create like a sense of drama, but I know there's so many complaints about how this effect of killing characters and bringing them back can really dampen the height of a situation. So Rihanna, I'm wondering for you, what are your thoughts about death fakeouts? And especially, yeah, what are your thoughts about death fakeouts? For the most part, I don't really like them because I feel like, number one, it's kind of, I don't want to offend people while saying this, so, but I feel like it's kind of a way to, like, soften the blow of something that wouldn't happen in real life, like it's giving people an unrealistic expectation of death, and I've complained mostly about this in shows like Supernatural, where they do it so often that you're just like, it's like made as a joke, like there's an episode where Dean dies like 40 times or something in one episode, and it's just like, I understand that that has its place, and that, you know, in those kind of moments they're making fun of the trope, but then they also still play into it, and I don't know, I think that as a writer, I really don't like doing that and I think that it's just a way to make your fans have like false hope in the future or for other characters or like if they're not important enough they won't be brought back which is just so tragic you know and I think though if it is used well and seldom then it's much better as a plot device and as a way to like 
elicit emotion rea- emotional reactions from the surviving characters. And that's what I think Star Trek does best. And even though I think Star Trek is a little goofy with it sometimes, I feel like, at least for the original series, this is like the backbone of the original series is the quote, he's dead, Jim, you know? And the fact that McCoy says this even to these fake outs, you know, and not just the red shirts is wild and hilarious. And I think that it does explain a lot about our characters, as we're going to talk about. So, some mixed feelings. As a writer, I wouldn't do it, but I do understand the appeal. That's a great answer, Rihanna. I always love hearing your perspective on things. And I think especially your point about how well Star Trek uses fake-out deaths. In some ways, I agree with you. In some ways, I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think that fake-out deaths occur a lot more often in fantasy and sci-fi shows because... Mm -hmm there is that element of the unpredictable, unimaginable, um, like impossible things that we don't have on earth, which is the ability to bring someone back to life. And that is a concept that has fascinated people forever. You know, death is one of the things that is certain for all of us, but we never can understand it you know like we don't we don't know why it happens we don't know what happens after if anything does Mm -hmm. and so i think for centuries like as long as there have been humans around to speculate this like it's something that's always plagued us as a species and so i think the idea of coming back to life is really like enticing and it can be Mm -hmm. an escape for people dealing with loss and grief yeah obviously in a lot of these episodes the people are not coming back to life they're just believed dead or Mm -hmm. declared dead and so but either way you know it's whether it's (laughs) whether they're actually dead or not it still invokes that great emotional response that you're talking about rihanna that gives all our characters so much more depth than they would get just like going about their day-to-day business I do think that if done to excess, like you're talking about, it really starts to wear on you. For me, my favorite show that has a ton of death fakeouts is Dragon Ball Z, original Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, super. There (laughs) are people dying all the time and they're always being resurrected. And I'm trying to think, like there are some characters I was like, okay, they're dead for sure. And then like, five seasons later they're being resurrected (laughs) and so with that like dragon ball is one of my favorite shows like including like live action like i just i love all of it and i am used to the death fake outs and i'm at the point where i actually enjoy them because it makes it such a great comfort show for me because I know I won't have to go through the pain of losing someone or if I do it's only temporary (laughs) yeah they'll be back (laughs) I think when the show first started I was a little like well I guess not first started I guess like middle of the show I was kind of annoyed with it because it makes the stakes so much cheaper you know yeah um but I will say on that show my favorite death and then resurrection was Vegeta I think the first time I don't know if it happens more than once but um yeah when he like does everything to save trunks it's one of the most emotional moments like of my life like amazing scene um fantastic stakes great end to the character arc so I would say for me that's one of my favorites and then the way he returns is also just amazing and funny and clever yeah sometimes I can deal with it sometimes I can't and Dragon Ball for me is a show that you have to take 
a little lightly, you know, to yeah. to not get too annoyed by these deaths. Rihanna, what about you? Do you have a favorite instance of how the death fakeouts have been done? Oh my gosh. This is hilarious that we're both going to be talking about anime on our Star Trek Oh my god, no way. (laughs) Um, But my favorite is probably in Dr. Stone, um, when Senku was brought back, because he, like, had that one tiny piece of stone still left on his neck. The whole reveal and everything is just genius. Like, I love it because I felt the emotions of it. I felt the grief and confusion and, like, isn't this the main character? Aren't we on episode three? Like, what is going on? And then the just utter relief from Yozuria and Taijo. Like, everyone was just so happy that he was alive. And Senku then, like, bragging about how he pulled it off. Also fantastic. So I really thought that was amazing. There are so many amazing ones. I'm thinking back to Sherlock and the BBC version and, like, the two-year wait we had to see how Sherlock pulled it off um or I was even thinking Harry Potter when Buckbeak is (laughs) resurrected or Harry or Harry (laughs) (laughs) Voldemort too low-key has a great death fake out story yeah (laughs) like Harry Potter does it a lot so there's some really good instances and but I think yeah our anime ones are the top (laughs) I mean I'm thinking about like Steins Gate too yeah. yeah. Oh, man. So many good ones. I want to draw everybody's attention to a couple of key things that you said. You said the reveal is something that yeah. makes a really powerful moment. I totally agree with you. And we're going to have a lot of different types of reveals in these episodes. Yes. I think also you talked about Senku dying in the first three episodes of a whole yeah. story. You can pretty much figure he's fine, yeah. you know. And right. so the predictability of do you think this is actually the demise of a character or do you think like okay, this happened five minutes before, like, this happened right before the intro. This guy is probably alive, you know? Right, exactly. (laughs) Or is it like Wrath of Khan, you know, how we're going to end today? um, Exactly. Where everyone's weeping for pure (laughs) sadness and hatred at the end of the movie, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of really interesting elements and different ways that things can be done to make it effective or Mm ineffective. So I want to keep that in mind as we're talking about these deaths too, you know, just bring it back to how you felt when you first watched it, how you felt. Obviously, we know now that everyone's alive. And that's also why I thought it was funny thinking about choosing the series because I wanted a lighter series but it's all about death you know (laughs) um but we can be happy because everyone's alive yeah it's kind of all about life too yeah exactly wow (laughs) (laughs) there you go well and what like uh we mentioned last week too the episodes that we watched are some of the best ones in the original Mm -hmm. series and I think it's also a great indicator of when they decide to use these stakes, you know, yeah. uh, of a character's death. Yeah, some of these episodes are, like, incredible. All right, so we are going to be going in kind of an interesting order this time. We are micromanaging down to the the second. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're going to start talking about McCoy's death. Um, he dies in Shore Leaf, if you didn't remember. And then we're going to go on to Finney. Oh, who, who's Finney? Um, <laughs> that is the character in Court Martial who Kirk is accused of killing. So don't worry, folks. He's, he's fine. Um, and then we're going to go on to Scotty, who, of course, died in the Changeling. Of course. Rihanna made a fantastic TikTok, I also just want to say, about all these fake-out deaths. And I keep, whenever I think about Scotty dying, I think about that clip. In... Wake up, Chrissy! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we will go on to Kodos in Conscious of the King. 
And then we'll talk about Chekhov in Spectre of the Gun, going on to Spock with Return of Tomorrow and Spock's Brain, and then Kirk with the Enterprise Incident, the Tholian Web, and Amok Time. And then <laughs> we will be going on to the movie portion, because obviously the movies are epic death fakeouts, and so we wanted to save those juicy parts for the end. So in the end, we will be talking about Generations, and then Wrath of Khan, and ending up with Into Darkness. And you know that we're going to be meshing up all, like, everything in the end because yeah. um, there's so many comparisons we have to make so um, yeah I'm very excited to just see how the series turns out and I, I'm always a little nervous when it's my series you know because yeah. it's like oh it's my baby I hope I chose these episodes you know intelligently and I hope we have some really interesting insights so um, absolutely Rihanna to get us started I am curious for you which death from this crew would be most impactful if it was permanent? And that's going to be the question we're asking for the whole series. Obviously, there are some characters that are actually dead um, later on. Yes. So, ow, ow. <laughs> yeah, that's a sad question because we know the answer. Or we <laughs> and know most of them are happens. my favorite characters. I know, I know. <laughs> well, we're going to leave that that's for fine. next week. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and hey. <laughs> we're gonna, so Rihanna, yeah, if someone died permanently in the original series, who would affect you the most? Gosh, who's to say? <laughs> who's to say? Yeah. Looks towards my Spock shrine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's Spock, like, yeah. easily. It affected me most, as we talked about in our movie series, at the end of Wrath of Khan, when we saw it, I was inconsolable, <laughs> so. Weeping, um, Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it's, like, technic, it, it is canon, like, he's canonically gone is, like, that's hard for me every day. So, anyway, um, that's my answer, Ashlyn. Which character death for you would be the most impactful if it were permanent? I mean, it's Spock, of course. Just to, like, argue and have a different answer, I would say probably McCoy would be really, really tough for me to mm-hmm. watch, um, especially depending on where he would die. Like, if he died in the original series, I couldn't uh, go on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if he died in a movie, I couldn't go on either. So mm-hmm. I love McCoy so much, and I feel like he's such an essential part of the trio and the yes. cast that it would be impactful in every way. Absolutely. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big ow. Um, and with that answer, let's start with McCoy. <laughs> let's start with the death of McCoy. <laughs> so, Ashlyn, let's answer the, the first few very important questions. Yes. Which are, of course, how did McCoy die? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, they're on this planet. This is shore leave where whatever you think basically happens. And Sulu's like, ooh, a tiger. And then a tiger <laughs> comes and Kirk's thinking about banging his lady friend. And then there she is, Ruth. Um, and McCoy is with, I can't remember, this ensign. Or I think she's a yeoman, actually. Yeah. Um, she like feels like a princess. Then she's in a princess outfit. And then along that theme, there's a knight in armor on a horse and yeah. put McCoy in the position of being like a knight in shining armor like defending mm-hmm. his lady because then he gets like murdered by <laughs> by the knight like like sword through the stomach and, and I got, love like, lanced pretty much. oh yeah and I love TOS because there's no blood there's no wound it's just DeForest <laughs> Kelly going oh <laughs> yeah. his head throwing back yeah and I have um, one shot of him, like, on the ground, and I'm like, oh, no. And it's like, do-do-do-do, you know, like, the yeah. drums, <laughs> like, drama. <laughs> do do um, Yeah, and then everybody comes out, and 
can't believe like how is McCoy dead and also like what is happening on this planet wow that's I'm sorry that's a tough way to go (laughs) (laughs) it's a terrible way Brianna, when you first saw this episode, do you, did you think McCoy was dead? <laughs> um, I was shocked, for sure. Because up to that point, I was really loving this episode. I love shenanigans episodes. Um, big fan of hijinks. So yes. I was happy to be there. But I think I was like swept up in the moment because the yeoman was sobbing and Kirk was looking all somber and Spock was looking mildly sad (laughs) so yeah I think I did get swept up a little and was like oh no like that would be awful and then I was like but again this is sort of an episodic show we know what we're getting into shore leave is what like season two it might be one I don't know I was like he'll be back and then he was all smiley and with a lady on each arm so yeah and yeah it turns out the caretaker of this planet (laughs) is in control of the technology and it meant to be like a paradise planet for its Mm -hmm. inhabitants but there are no more of the inhabitants anymore and so they're able to repair mccoy's body which is lovely and (laughs) yeah very advanced this was i thought a little scary he (laughs) he woke up in a factory and was put back together and to me i'm now thinking is this a replacement mccoy like is this mccoy number two like do we have we never seen the same mccoy since this incident you know it's like that harry kim that's Loki from the other universe and you're just like he's forever a different harry kim yeah like yeah i wonder that too is this like android mccoy or thomas (laughs) Riker? you know i i don't know Also, this was episode 15 of season one, so we're pretty well into season one. You know what we've gotten into. Yeah. Well, and I will say, like, I think as a kid, I've never felt like I truly knew because Mm -hmm. I think especially watching an older show in modern times, I kind of put modern rules on it, especially as a kid. Totally. Thinking, oh, well maybe this is like we're not going to keep the crew the whole time and yeah people are gonna like come and go <laughs> so i mean discovery style yeah really seriously discovery style yeah, yeah. well and i think too because usually when these deaths were happening we were watching this we were pretty young i think i was still in middle school and that was around the time that we had been watching mash for a while and like obviously mash doesn't bring characters back and so i think also i had had that expectation i like had stopped watching kids shows by the time we were watching star trek so i was like okay anyone could die at any minute (laughs) that's fair and i think this brings up another point like some shows will bring like one character back the entire show yeah like game of thrones well two characters back but like having john die and then having him be revived was really powerful because yes in that show it's known for murder like no main character is safe except john snow and so like that in that case it's really effective and i mm-hmm. i do think it's interesting that mccoy only dies this one time and yeah. like a lot of these other characters die multiple times and so I think he's the doctor he's usually the one trying to revive him yeah exactly and he has such a like connection to all of his peers that he really brings home a lot of the emotion when they die too yeah <laughs> or just sort of like my god man he's dead <laughs> he's gonna like say his speech yeah exactly. yeah someone's gotta say it mm-hmm. so let's go on to someone who wanted to seem like he was dead and that is finney in the episode court martial <laughs> 
Court Martial, man, I surprised myself that I really was enjoying this watch through. It's, yeah, I love a good court episode. It was much better than I remember watching it as a young kid, which makes sense. <laughs> yes, same. Um, so this is a really interesting fake out death. And I think it's a really like standalone episode because we start it out thinking that Finney is dead. Kirk has been summoned to Starbase 11. He's with Commodore Stone. Mm-hmm. And he's basically reporting on the death of a lieutenant who's on his ship, Finney. And the report reads out on the computer that Kirk fired his pod that he was working on because his name was at the top of the duty roster. Kirk sent him to do the repairs. And Kirk apparently, according to the computer, jettisoned the pod while they were on yellow alert. And Kirk's version of the story is that he jettisoned the pod well after red alert had started mm-hmm. and he had given him plenty of time to get out but at some point you have to like save the whole ship and so the, yeah. he jettisoned the pod and it exploded killing finney and so this episode kind of reminds me of scooby-doo episodes where you go <laughs> yeah. in thinking that this person like okay like this is how the episode is set up i know how it's going and then in scooby-doo it's always the first person you meet is the murderer you know and in this case it's the first person we're talking about like is actually alive Mm -hmm. things are not as they seem but i thought this episode was particularly exciting to watch because you're realizing why is the computer conflicting with kirk's reports spock does an amazing scene where he like beats the computer at chess which is just like four times peak star trek peak spock right here um yeah and (laughs) Uh, it, therefore proving that the computer's been tampered with. And then at the end, McCoy has, like, a microphone he's putting up to everybody's oh hearts. Oh, my God, <laughs> yes. I was saying to my girlfriend, I was like, the most niche cosplay would be to wear that dress uniform and just bring a little microphone around and, like, take away people's heartbeats. I was just cracking up. Such a fun reveal. It also felt very, like, Twilight Zone-esque. Yes. They figure out there's only one heartbeat. And then of all people... They let Kirk go down alone. Yeah, to what? like the accused. Yeah, to the accused. <laughs> and I know they have like audio on. Maybe they have visual. I yeah. can't tell if they're watching Kirk. But that's so against protocol. Yeah. Kirk was accused of killing this guy. So why <laughs> would you let him go after him? <laughs> oh, literally, it's so dumb. I don't understand. Yeah, but I I love, I think the reveal is the most fun part of this episode when you just hear that one heartbeat. And there's also the added stakes of Kirk's prosecution is his old lover, which is exactly like... um, Admiral Satie. Yes, the TNG court episode. It's like the same trope where it's another lover's is the prosecutor. Literally, I'm like, dang, they love this juiciness. (laughs) The drama, the intrigue. Oh, God, yeah. I love so much about this episode, particularly though, it really shows who people are and like shows their true colors when they think that Kirk has killed Finney because he's in the bar and like trying to talk to his old Academy friends and they totally think that he jettisoned the pod before Red Alert and they totally think he's guilty. And Admiral Stone wants to sweep all of this under the rug and just let Kirk off because Kirk's such a legend they can't have that on their record. And... I'm just, like, quaking, you know, all these politics that comes out from someone's death, and then the death is not even real, you know, and so really, but you really are learning a lot about these characters and about, like, the, about Starfleet politics here. 
Yes, Rihanna, and this is why I love it so much. The scene where Kirk goes into the bar, he says, well, I see my graduating class is well represented. And this is one of the few times we ever see Kirk interact with his peers. You know, it's you normally admirals or just people Mm -hmm. on the ship. So that was really exciting to me. And also, I was noticing that Kirk is definitely the youngest one out of all the, and it's like all men, it's all white men. Um, This room is full of old white men, but... um, Kirk is the youngest one and I love that it shows in an easy way it it just shows like who Kirk is that he's this amazing captain he graduated we know in Kelvin timeline he graduated Starfleet Academy in three years when most people do it in four Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure he's probably accepted into the class younger than a lot of people because he's walking books you know literally and yeah I just love these early episodes giving us like more about these characters than Mm -hmm. ever comes up again I think this is one of my favorite Kirk episodes and I really do want to compliment Shatner actually because I think he does great I think especially like in the beginning of the episode when Kirk is being accused of killing Finney he's reading these papers like three times through and this is not like Kirk you know he would I I would think he would just like throw the papers away and be like look sir I didn't do this yeah Um, but he's like he's really focused because he's really taking this matter seriously yeah Um, because it's his friend and even if it wasn't it's his crewman yeah, exactly. I was going to talk about their history. Do you want to talk about... Yeah. yeah, so can you tell us about Kirk's relationship with Finny? Ooh, it's complex. <laughs> this tea is hot. Finny and Kirk went to the academy together, I believe. Yes. And then they went on a mission, and Finny made this, like... Actually, I zoned out during that part. A big mistake <laughs> that led to him not being advanced to captaincy. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> what he... was the mistake? <laughs> I don't remember the mistake, but I think basically Finney had been at the Academy a lot for a long time, like longer than most people. He's like a five-year senior, you know? Yeah. And he made a mistake and Kirk like logged the mistake. I, I mm-hmm. think they were on like a training mission or something. So Kirk was the one who said he like messed up, he can't graduate. So, and then Finney was really mad about that. And so like how humiliating then for Finney to be under Kirk's command when Kirk is yeah. a captain and he's only a lieutenant and this mistake has like haunted him throughout all of Starfleet, making him unpromotable. So I understand sort of the like hatred. So why do you think he was faking his death? I mean, geez, he has a lot of issues. <laughs> I, mean, I understand why, like, but he's got a revenge streak. I don't know why he faked his death. I think it was to try to get Kirk get in trouble and to mm. have this court martial happen and everything. I think also it just cuts even more that Kirk sort of quote-unquote ratted him out about this mistake because he like named his daughter after kirk james <laughs> is named after james t kirk i just think that's a lot and so like i think maybe it just grew on this grudge because someone you named your kid after rihanna how did i miss this i watched this whole episode <laughs> it's effed they oh my i didn't realize they were that close yeah okay well i understand i guess a little bit more like he he doesn't even care about his life at this point no, he, he only cares, cares about, about revenge. revenge yeah so con much yeah um, literally kirk is crazy He's all over. <laughs> i guess that is pretty cold <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also you know i mean spock would get like very excited to hear that story yeah <laughs> that's like whoa kirk is following the rules that's amazing literally. he's like i love that yeah, yeah. wow yeah 
it's hard for me to imagine him feeling that much hatred because his daughter right. comes up to Kirk and is so mad. She's like losing it. She's like, you yeah. killed my father, which I guess I would be, I'd be mad yeah. too. But again, like she should know Kirk and he yeah. has such a reputation as being this like great and just captain. So why doesn't Finny want to like live for her or at least give her a heads up? Like, hey, like I'm faking my death. Will you pick me up at like Starbase 5? <laughs> I'm telling you again, it's because he named the kid after Kirk. <laughs> Don't do that when you have a revenge plot going. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I I think it's ridiculous. He really did not think this through. Finny, however clever he is to pull off his death, is not emotionally clever enough <laughs> to tell his daughter. That's on him. <laughs> I just, yeah. Also, I feel like, yeah, Kirk's a great man, but at the end of the episode, he's just like, yeah, I've got Finny beaten and sobbing. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> I went, excuse me? <laughs> That's Starfleet diplomacy, okay, I guess. Yeah, that was something I thought was weird, not the yeah. same way that you did. But <laughs> they just showed the whole fight between Kirk and Finney. Kirk's yeah. shirt is ripped immediately, by the way. Which also was ripped in Shore Leave. And so this is a trend I'm seeing, is yeah. in like so many fake-out episodes, his shirt is ripped. Oh, yeah. Um, Muck time. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, But, so they show this whole fight where it's, like, clearly stunt doubles. It's hilarious to watch. Like, he just shows, like, a zoom in on a stunt double's face. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) you're like, that's clearly not. Not anybody. But then, the fight, like, doesn't have a clear ending. It just kind of cuts off. And Kirk has that voiceover where he (laughs) says, sobbing. (laughs) Vinny, comma, beaten and sobbing, comma, told me about and i'm like oh my god like, like did i you torture him I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> what happened when the cameras went off jim it, yeah it goes back to why would you let kirk down there alone yeah um like i would send spock because he's so fair he would just, just like grips Vulcan pinch him yeah yeah um but i also would have liked to see finney kind of broken and sobbing you know <laughs> I don't know. I watched so many cinema sins and a sin that the narrator always brings up is why are you telling me about a better story than what's happening on screen? You know? And I feel like (laughs) Kirk like destroying Vinny like emotionally it would be more exciting to see than like this hilarious fight. Yeah, or I'm wondering, like, is this, is he sobbing out of guilt? Like, I want to know why he's sobbing. And if the yes, beaten bro. is just from the fight, or if Kirk really went after him after, because that is really different to his character. Like, or if can't Finney, just say that. if Finney had, like, an epiphany, he's like, oh my god, my daughter, like, what have I done? Yeah, you know, he's like, sobbing for that. Yeah. yeah, I would like, see, this is what I'm saying. Like, I yes. want to see this, but so true. we do get that. to see Kirk climbing through the tubes and repairing the ship, because yeah. the orbit is suddenly in decay, and, like, power's out. True, <laughs> so, yeah. Classic. <laughs> I also think we don't see Kirk up in the tubes, like, fixing things very often because he's no. always on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And in these, again, these fake-out deaths, we're going to have it a couple times. So mm-hmm. it's only when the ship is, like, in extreme danger and the stakes are this high is when yeah. Kirk's like, all right, got to roll right, up my sleeves in. and yeah. climb up a Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> and Janeway, when there's red alert, she's already at engineering. <laughs> she's like, yeah, it's so it's different. Insane. Yeah, I love the different captaining styles. Yeah, he's always on the bridge. Send yeah. Scotty to crawl around down there. Yeah. 
I really thought this episode was great. I wondered if um, the actor who plays Finney is related to Willem Dafoe because he looks like <gasps> Green Goblin. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. like perfectly casted Finney because he's yeah. creepy. He's mm-hmm. like deranged. Yeah, he's a very good, yes. very good Finney. Unfortunately, the guy who plays Finney is Richard Webb, so he is not related to Willem Dafoe. Okay, um, no relation. It looks like he did a bunch of cameos, like he was in Days of Our Lives and Beware the Blob, you know, a classic. <laughs> yes. uh, the, the Smith family. Timeless. Yeah, like a lot of really great cameos um, in the 60s and 70s. So, yeah. Cool. Um, Thank you, not Willem. Yeah, he does great in here. Oh, yeah, I also love that Ahura gets a moment at the con, too. Um, We're not going to talk about her like at all in this series, episode. So I just have to say, she stabilizes the ship on her own after Kirk like plugs in the cable. So that was epic. Yeah, yeah, love her. All right. Well, shall we go to our Jeffrey's tube man to Scotty, the the very one crawling around? Yep. Scotty's death is really brief. In the episode The Changeling, we have our lovely nomad, who, of course, the very scene we talked about for Mevinism last time we talked to US, mm-hmm. her is singing on the bridge, nomad comes over, questions Ahura, and then starts, you know, erasing her whole memory. Well, he's just probing, to be fair. He doesn't know it's gonna erase it. <laughs> sure, okay, probing her whole memory. Yeah. And then Scotty, in a bid to protect Ahura, runs over touches or at least i i saw tries to touch nomad's panel and he electrocutes him scotty goes flying dead (laughs) (laughs) you could say that nomad reacted instinctively and did the changeling death grip to scotty (gasps) you're so right (laughs) he just he was like die he's like can't touch this (laughs) (laughs) you're so right oh my god that's fabulous um yeah that was a great summary rihanna yeah this was like in the middle of the episode it was completely yeah. random and i was not worried <laughs> <No>. <laughs> about scotty i do think what his death served though is to really prove to us that nomad is dangerous yeah like, and that not just a red shirt but a scotty yeah. yeah scotty yeah exactly not a random person and i think initially it's really I think the crew is not taking Nomad seriously because he's like a, you know, floating yeah. piece of metal. <laughs> and the fact that he does wield so much power is is very scary. And so it creates this really interesting cat and mouse game between yeah. Kirk and Nomad for the rest of the episode because he knows that this person can kill my crew, can like erase their memory. Uh, Nomad does agree to restore Scotty, which is really nice. And he does it really quickly. Um, I think that's also him showing off his power though. And yeah. showing like the opposite. I can kill you, but I can also bring you back. Like I am God, you know? Yeah. I also loved how when he brought Scotty back, Scotty was freaking out. <laughs> he was like, he was like where's Ahura? Where yeah. am I? <laughs> like, what's going on? What the devil? <laughs> I wanted him to go, what in the cosmos? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going at blue blazes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I thought it was funny, too, because Kirk, like, Scotty's freaking out. And Kirk is mm-hmm. like, calm down, bro, because... I think he's worried about provoking Nomad again. Because what if Nomad's yeah. like, shut up. <laughs> like, <laughs> kills, kills him again. again. But then Kirk's like, um, McCoy, how about you explain what happened? And then like, Kirk leaves and Spock looks yeah. at McCoy and he's like, well, doctor, he's waiting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
It's like, how do you want to explain that you were dead and repaired by Nomad? Resurrection via antennae, antennae, whatever. Yeah. Like, literally, I don't understand how that science worked, but he did it. Yeah. (laughs) Scotty's fine. It kind of reminds me of what happened to McCoy. Like, I feel like something... Some some, weird repair. Something went on. I mean, also, maybe, like, if... Scotty was electrocuted, his heart stopped, and then yeah. I don't know why McCoy would think to like give him a, <laughs> like, a little jolt, you know, like yeah. clear, you know. Yeah. Maybe he couldn't do it powerfully enough. I don't know, but Nomad, yeah. Nomad can figure it out. So, <laughs> and he sure did. Yeah. I just also love it's so wholesome that Scotty's first thought is of her and not of himself. I think also these episodes show us how like in death people are that they're most honest. And Scotty was really honest in that moment that he was worried about her and not himself. And I'm like, buddy, you need some self-care, but also that's really nice. I'm pretty sure that's a joker quote. (laughs) In death, people are most honest. (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry, guys. It's okay. The joker lives in all of us. (laughs) But no, I mean, you both are right. It's very true. Like, there's no fake out when you're about to die for the most part. Should we go to another one-off episode? This is similar to Court Martial, where we believe from the beginning of the episode that Kodos is dead. And Rihanna, I want you to talk about Kodos and remind our listeners everything going on with Kodos (laughs) and this wonderful story. Okay. Wow, what's what's there to say about the massacre of Tarsus Four? There's a lot to say. <laughs> um, it's one of those like like Ashlyn said, fascinating one-offs of something that we don't get barely anything else about, and it's one of those like Trek mysteries and a huge gap in Kirk's personal timeline. Anyway, it's just wild to me. But essentially, Kirk was living on Tarsus Four with Kevin Riley and Thomas Layton. And Kodos, who was the ruler at the time, was facing a food shortage from an exotic fungus that destroyed the colony's food supply, blah, blah, blah. So essentially what Kodos decides to do, because he's a murderous man, he decides to execute half of the population. So he's Thanos, basically. Yeah, exactly. Eventually, a supply ship arrives, and Kodos is already on his murdering spree. They find that his body was burned, so apparently Kodos is dead, along with the 4,000 people he killed. So it's this horrible thing that apparently Kirk was a victim of, and Kevin Riley, who we see on the Enterprise, was as well. And so we kick off this episode with, essentially, knowing none of this history, we're going to learn it, you know, throughout the episode. Kodos is alive, after all, and there have been rumors of him being alive from Thomas Lahan, who is, of course, one of the nine survivors of Tarsus Four, and he's killed for it. So there's this whole plot going on. Kodos's daughter is essentially trying to protect him from this horrible past and, like, trying to give him a new life, but she's, like, killing people to do it, killing the survivors so that that secret dies with them, essentially. So this is a, like, very convoluted death plot. Yeah, this is another really underrated episode. We talked about it on villains. villains. Yeah, because Kodos is a villain. And yes. honestly, this, I feel like he has such a place in this planet's history on Tarsus Four yeah. and like in the quadrant mm-hmm. that he is kind of the Voldemort of the quadrant. And totally. like it reminded me of that story where you think he's dead. 
but there's rumors like he's so powerful and so evil he's probably come back and this reminds me of like hitler too like danny while he was cleaning the other day was listening to like a video of like top conspiracy theories and there's Mm -hmm. one that says Hitler was not actually in the bunker. He Mm. escaped and there was a double there who they said was Hitler and all this stuff. And I feel like sometimes people are so infamous that they live on forever, you know? And so you can't even imagine that they're actually dead because you're so in fear of this figure and you like believe people are immortal in some cases and i know in harry potter like voldemort was actually kind of immortal yeah (laughs) and he faked out his death as well yeah he didn't mean to but he yeah but it worked he had his plan plan. (laughs) the plans were set so i feel like it's kind of this way with kodos like we as viewers have no idea what it was like to be there under his reign or like watch this massacre happen but you can imagine, you know, mm-hmm. and I know that there's a novel that just came out all about this. Um, yeah, I actually bought it. I just haven't read it yet. Yeah, <laughs> so get on it, Rihanna, and we'll yeah. have a book club, and I'll read it too, and we'll talk about Kodos. Yeah, it's called Drastic Measures, and it's by Dayton Ward, and it's uh, it's set 10 years before the Battle of the Binary Stars. It's featuring Giorgio and Prime Lorca, and they go and, like, learn about all the horrible things that happened on Tarsus Four. so... We're getting more history and connection, so. Yeah, yeah, so, so cool. But yeah, so I think there's only a couple survivors of the Three. massacre. Yeah, like Rihanna was talking about, and they've been well, getting knocked off. there's nine survivors total, sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's crazy? Well, okay, sorry, I have to specify too, and these nine survivors are the only ones who knew Kodos's face. And so that's also crazy, is that he was the type of leader who, like, really disguised or, like, hid himself, you know. Yeah. Scary. Really scary. So that's why this whole episode is really intriguing, too, because it's another mystery, but people are thinking from the very beginning that he's alive, and so it kind of becomes you versus your wits and logic, you know? You're like, should I trust my instincts? As Kirk and his friend, you know, like, everything that they talk about in this episode are, like, what is real and what is not real? There's so many mind games going on, and... In the end, Kodos doesn't even know that the survivors have been getting killed. Yeah, he has no clue. He has no clue, which I think was a great twist that it was actually his daughter who was murdering all these people. Yeah, I mean, it's just so brilliant because it's also under the backdrop of Shakespeare. They talk about Hamlet and Macbeth and they're performing Macbeth. And I think that that's just, they had so many beautiful Shakespearean parallels here and yeah it's just i think they resurrected a really cool story in this episode and i think that that the death fake out was sort of the backdrop of it makes it even cooler because it's like like you said that really interesting legend slash mystery going on here so cool yeah so and cool. very traumatizing for poor kirk and riley like dang they go through it and i'm like so mad that because i think in some ways you know you want those people to have stayed dead and you don't want to have to deal with that stuff i don't know i'm I'm, I'm glad that riley stays on the ship so yeah i know same yeah, yeah that's a great point like this is a, a nightmare literally coming back to haunt you you know you mm-hmm. think that this case is closed and you have closure but when those rumors start coming back again that's really hard to deal with and i can't you know kirk yeah, is i mean riley wants to kill he's out for blood yeah and i think it just shows like how balanced kirk is because he's able to keep his head for all of this even though he's really questioning reality 
as these episodes do, make our characters, our poor characters, get really a lot of whiplash. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think with so many of these, like, one-off episodes, too, I was starting to feel some whiplash, especially with all of these smaller characters who have quick deaths. It's a little bit like less impactful. So in yeah. so like Chekhov, for example, oh. in Spectre of the Gun, this is another great season three episode. Season three is you know can't be very hit or miss, but yeah, I always think Spectre of the Gun, even though maybe the plot doesn't make a lot of sense, the situation that they're in is really cool, and yeah. they haven't really gone back in time, but it's like an illusion um, that is created yeah. where Kirk. McCoy, Scotty, and Chekhov have all been and Spock. Yeah, and Spock, of course. So Gang's like all here, everyone except Tahura and Sulu. <laughs> and Sulu. Yeah, but everyone is down here, and they're with the Earp brothers. Um, yeah, and it's a part of like the shootout at OK Corral. If history, it's crazy. Yeah, it's so cool. And of course, this leaves Chekhov to be one of the brothers who has a love interest. And yeah, she's, he's, all, uh, she's doting all over him. He's Billy Claiborne. Yeah, Billy Claiborne. And he is immediately just like, woo, a girl's interested in me. <laughs> and he's just like making out with her. And then she's later talking about this dance that they're going to go to. And she's like making this gown. And she's like, it can be my wedding gown. And Chekhov's like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> hang on. I'm sorry. This literally cannot happen. <laughs> Chekhov has so much game. Women are proposing to him like yeah. when they just meet him. <laughs> Within the hour. <laughs> Yeah, and then, of course, that's when he's shot down, and it's really awful. Like, Chekhov is just a sweet baby, and so I think when anything happens to him, it really hits the crew hard, because he's their youngest, and so he he is sort of the baby of the ship, and the baby of my heart. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. like, whenever Chekhov screams again, I'm like, oh my god, my poor child is in pain. Yeah, he gets shot. McCoy declares him dead, but he's not. (laughs) He'll be okay in the end. Yeah, he'll be okay. How did you feel about baby Chekhov? Well, I'm very sad, and I think Chekhov is a great choice, I think, to have this fake-out death happen to, like, because of what you said. He's the baby of the crew. Also, yes, he's, like, on the bridge all the time, but I wouldn't say necessarily he's as ingrained as a crew member because he wasn't in the first season. And so if you're going to kill someone, as awful it, as it would be, like, Chekhov is a good pick, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for believability-wise, yeah, I, I did think the first time, I was like, okay, I'm tentatively hoping he's alive, but I don't, like, that was rough, you know? I remember being really worried, yeah. because yeah, Chekhov is amazing, and he's just, yeah, I love Chekhov. I thought that the crew's reaction to him dying was really interesting because we're going to see, and we're going to talk about it later, McCoy is always, uh, well, I mean, this is just his character. McCoy's always, you know, on Spock for him, not showing emotions and kind of making fun of him, like, oh, like, bet you can't feel this. And how could you be so heartless, you know, like demanding things of him that Spock is not able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also Mm -hmm. doesn't want to talk about like he's, uh, and so in this scene, First of all, it starts by McCoy saying to Kirk, Jim, let it go. You did what you could, but we have to move on. And first, and I think that's really harsh. Totally. Especially because Scotty is literally ready to kill for Chekhov. Yeah, Scotty was ready to murder them. He said, let's go. Like He said, I will shoot them down. Yes. 
Yeah, and then McCoy's telling Kirk, like, move on, it's fine. Yeah. And then Spock says, like, one thing about Chekhov, and McCoy just turns on him and is like, how dare you not feel anything for Chekhov? I can't believe, like, don't you know he's a part of this crew, too? Like, Well, and he said, like, you work closely with him. Yeah, yeah, and so it should be affecting him more. Yeah. And even Scotty is on Spock's case, which is... Like, we yeah, don't see that. Yeah, they gang up on him. And Kirk, because he's looking out the window this whole time, and he turns back, and he's like, McCoy, Scotty. And he's about to start defending Spock. Like, you guys need to stop. And Spock's like, yeah. you know what? Like, my emotions are, like, not relevant right now. And then he says, the doctor forgets that I am half human. <laughs> and so it's a beautiful way of him saying, I am feeling this death. Like, F yeah. you, you know? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And like you can tell, this is the thing that I love so much about Nimoy is that with all of these death fake out scenes, like with McCoy dying in Shore Leave, he stayed by him while Kirk went to go investigate. Like mm-hmm. Spock just like sat by McCoy's body and it was just like really sad. And that's his show of emotions. You know, he's so much more action oriented than he's gonna just verbally say, Oh, I'm sad or cry or whatever, like McCoy wants him to do. Instead, he really shows like the rest of the episode he's so subdued inspector of the gun he's making this <laughs> noxious gas that they're going to use to try to knock out the brothers who are going to shoot him out at the okay corral and he's of course just like diligently silently working but like every single one of his responses are like 10 percent more glum you know and i'm just like nimoy is a effing genius i mean it, to, to pull this off is just so amazing and says a lot about Spock, you know, like, he is grieving in these moments, and they all show their grief differently. McCoy lashes out, Scotty's ready to murder, (laughs) Kirk just, like, pushes it all away, and Spock, of course, also pushes it away. (laughs) He pushes it away even harder. (laughs) The Vulcan style. Yeah. What's funny and kind of not satisfying about Chekhov's death is that he is gone for like 20 minutes. So he, you yeah. know, it's not like Scotty where he's resurrected two minutes later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then at the end, they realize, or Spock realizes, of course, that yeah. nothing in this little area they're in can actually hurt them if they don't believe in it. And so mm-hmm. it's some kind of test, you know, that the species is doing to them. And so Spock, like, mind melds with everyone. It's so epic. And he's like, the bullets are fake. The bullets are fake. Like, don't yeah. worry. You're good, bro. <laughs> don't you have an inch of doubt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's how they're able to get out of the situation. Spock picks up the gun at the end. And then it's like, boop, back to the Enterprise. And Chekhov is sitting at his station, not even in sick bay. He's like totally fine, just chilling at the comm. He's like, what <laughs> happened? What's going on? You know, he doesn't even remember dying. And all he remembers is the girl that he says, like, is the woman that he met down there who was asking to marry him. Yep. And Kirk just says, as a way of explanation, well, I guess the girl was the only real thing to him. So that's why he survived. <laughs> and I'm like, no, just say that the, like, all-knowing species entity brought him back because they saw that they were like oh no no worries you're cool you know (laughs) kind of yeah like i don't know if you like that could be an easier explanation than like the girl was real (laughs) i don't know yeah it's yeah it's so true it's like these beings have some mercy like okay just because like you failed my test doesn't mean you all will or that the consequence of failing should be death yeah exactly yeah i 
do think just because I've been watching so much Strange New Worlds recently and we just did our pilot episode last week, mm-hmm. it did, it, this conversation does make me think about how Chekhov probably, I mean, he was surprised that he was dying. Yeah. Um, and so he didn't believe it was happening too. Yeah, so that's I, true. I guess mm-hmm. if you're like tr- really like trying yeah. to force yourself to find some meaning <laughs> in this, um, <laughs> you can say it's that too. Worlds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Go watch that uh, episode. I love that. That's really ingenious. Yeah. Do you want to move on to Spock? I feel like we were on a good roll Always. talking about him in this episode. Yeah. Um, so something that you mentioned is so true. Like everyone shows the grief in different ways. Mm-hmm. Spock, he throughout every episode just has extreme like an extremely blank face and it's mm-hmm. even more so than like normal uh, normal spock like I, I, once again yeah. Nimoy is so good at playing percentages like yeah, what exactly. you said earlier so of true. like just shades of emotion coming through his mask and i think the more he's upset the more he's just stony faced and can't yeah. even deal with life um Ooh. but anyway uh a lot of those are kirk's death which we're gonna yeah. um move to soon but before that spock's death in the original series is definitely taken lightly especially in spock's brain and rihanna please <laughs> talk about spock's brain like legendary episode <laughs> of season three brain what is brain <laughs> um i mean what is there to say about spock's brain a lady comes glows some lights they all get conked out she just takes spock's brain and his body and then they it goes to a planet no his body's there no, his body stays. His body's on the planet she is no the body's on the ship because all she does is touch his head and then she vanishes no, because he's like where's spock Spock, and then it takes them like three days to find his body, and then his body's on the planet. Oh yeah! <laughs> and then they scoop him up. That's so weird. And then McCoy goes, "His brain is gone." <laughs> no, 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 no. He says, "Cause Kirk's like, is he dead?" He's like, "No, Jim. He's worse than dead. His brain is gone." <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's just something so phenomenal about those, <laughs> those words. Um, I just, yeah, I, I don't know what the writers were going for any get any theories <laughs> throw them out <laughs> um we didn't realize we just got ruined for season three and have to quickly <laughs> write an episode <laughs> yes ashlyn i think that's absolutely correct i think that they said okay picture this spock but you don't get him to save the day because his brain is gone okay but he does save the day <laughs> yeah, literally, you're so, he literally okay so this is the other thing about spock's brain right is that, <laughs> Is that his consciousness has been transferred, which is a theme of death fakeouts I've been noticing as well. Like, we're talking multiple occurrences of this. Yes. And this time, it's sort of floating around in the... This isn't the glowing orb one. No, no. It's an ether one. Yeah, it, well, I feel like his brain is, like, in the machines. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> his brain's in the machine, which, like, is perfect. He gets to talk to them through Kirk's communicator... They have some conversations, and then he also tutors McCoy on how to put his brain back in while he's having <laughs> surgery. I just don't know what to say about that. Like, that's so incredible. That I... Even in his own death fake out, he, like, saved his own life. <laughs> well, McCoy says, I'm never going to live this down. Like, yeah. this Vulcan is telling me how to do surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is such a light episode, and mm-hmm. even though it's dealing with these themes of, like, his brain is gone... <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> it's really lighthearted when Spock is like speaking to them through the <laughs> intercom. <laughs> intercom, I love that. Boop, I imagine, Spock to Kirk. <laughs> yeah, like he he's like everybody turn left. <laughs> like, Iowa. <laughs> yeah, he's like leading them around, and yeah, they're f- slowly figuring out that the women are being they have been traditionally controlled by a brain. Um, I don't I don't think this is their first like capture and like no this is not their first rodeo yeah theft yeah exactly (laughs) highway brain robbery (laughs) they they got it down like she appears on the ship she takes his brain she takes his body she's gone and it turns out without the brain they are like dumb like I hate to be mean but like (laughs) like oh no (laughs) like they don't know anything because they can't think for themselves they've been controlled for centuries yeah and I just don't like that it's like women underground who are like being controlled by this one like male brain like I I don't uh I just like uh, the implications of that are just awful yeah I don't know I just like it perpetuates the stereotype you know exactly also it's bad for men too because the (laughs) men are like up on the planet like cavemen like very yeah, violent and like murderous it's very like the Kazan worst Ocampa yeah vibes. yeah exactly it's the worst uh, stereotypes of males and females totally that's happening and so anyway i guess the answer is that spock's brain will guide them all to peace <laughs> yeah and, and away from sexism yeah yeah <laughs> spock's brain guiding people to peace for <laughs> And away from sexism. I mean, I mean, it's true. Like, it's true. He goes on to do many peaceful things. <laughs> literally, literally. Um, yeah. So I think this episode. Yeah, it, you're so right. It gets low stakes. The timing is hilarious from all this stuff. Like they just keep getting knocked out by like the <laughs> radios in their stomachs. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, Spock saves his, his own day. I, yeah, I don't know what to say, but but it's an episode, and I, well, I will stand by it and say that this is the ultimate comfort episode for me with Star Trek, yes. because I've never not watched this episode and cracked up. Yes. Like, if I'm having a bad day or an anxious day and, like, just need to have the TV on, Spock's brain is, is up, yes. because it makes me laugh so hard, and I also think weirdly, you know, I mean... Man, we just compliment Nimoy so much, but even in episodes like this, he makes it really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like Patrick Stewart, you know, like they both really like commit. Like totally. so many actors in Star Trek, they yeah. commit so hard to the thing that's ridiculous that it makes it actually interesting. Yes. And like the way that Nimoy's like <laughs> McCoy's like move your right elbow and he's just like he's doing it so he's robotically, like, you yeah. know, like as if McCoy is like really pulling his strings. The way he kind of has a smile, you know, when he's in the computer like, "Ha ha." Yes, his voice is so I thought it was an imposter at first, but I was like, "No, this is just like free Spock learning new science <laughs> things and becoming a different entity for a while. Like this is his dream." Yeah, he's not stressed out. He's just no. having a blast. He just like wants to transfer consciousness to see, you know, and he knows how to get out of this because he's like a computer. <laughs> so it's very easy for him. So my girlfriend has been like in and out watching these episodes with me and she saw a couple just like all the way through and she saw the like end of this episode and <laughs> seeing Spock coach McCoy through the brain surgery and all that stuff. Spock sits up right after brain surgery and <laughs> and my girlfriend goes, Wow, look at him, not a hair out of place. <laughs> 
like literally it is the funniest thing i'm like yeah you didn't even like there's no shaving of the head there's no like <laughs> not even ruffled his hair looks great as usual i'm like wow only spock could pull that off well the technology is so advanced that they don't even have to open the head up yeah you it's know? not even invasive yeah mccoy was doing the surgery i guess like Macroscopic with photons? I don't microscopic. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't mean photons. I meant with protons. Like I, I don't know. Is that like a hollow brain he's fixing? (laughs) Who knows? But yeah, just great episode. Also, I think it really like sets the tone for like light Spock deaths. You know, and if like he's such an important character and especially i mean from the beginning spock is like the one of the most important characters in star trek and i think like the writers know that and so anytime that it's even hinted that spock is dead it's laughable because yeah. he's carrying the show on Literally. his shoulders so how could spock be dead yeah yeah and exactly. so we see it this again a, a similar episode where uh, there's a bunch of consciousnesses (laughs) being swapped around (laughs) this time it's a glowing orbs (laughs) yeah and not to be confused with zero from prodigy i kind of thought maybe this was the species where you look at them and they (laughs) uh, turn you blind but no that's a different tos episode that's (laughs) that's there is there in truth no beauty yeah that's the other orb but yeah these are I don't remember what species, but one of them's called Sardon, I think. Yeah, and one of them's called Thalesa. Yeah. <laughs> Sargon, yeah. They are essentially beings, they live in these orbs that they used to be, like, have human form or bipedal form, but they eventually, like, transcended themselves and just, like... They must have ascended, you know? Just yeah, exactly. Became energy. immortal, their bodies mm-hmm. died, they were able to save their consciousness and they Mm -hmm. started to view themselves as gods because Mm -hmm. of their ability to do this i really think this is an interesting and really thoughtful episode actually despite how ridiculous it is i don't know like in media these days we don't talk a lot about consciousness and also like even though you can do something really powerful doesn't mean you should you know and i think they really learn that the hard way in this episode because it starts out with sargon reaching out to kirk and the enterprise and saying hey we can give you technology if you help us Mm -hmm. essentially so they beam down spock wants to go kirk doesn't want him to go because for once he thinks like oh it's dangerous enough what if we both die then there'll be no captain and no first officer to replace replace him this is like the only time kirk cares about that and then sargon is like wrong and he (laughs) he like makes spock beam down so we have kirk spock mccoy beaming down and we also have a very special guest star this is pulaski the woman who plays pulaski in the next generation yeah so we have diana muldar in her first trek appearance in this episode and uh incredible she, she of course is pulaski in the next generation she is so so good in this role i love that her character gets more time that she's a scientist that she's ready to swap bodies she's like yeah as similar to spock we were talking about last episode with the brain she's very excited (laughs) (laughs) how could you how could you compare (laughs) spock's excited to learn more about altered consciousness so is she (laughs) <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah i guess it's true anyway there's a lot of mental swaps going on here 
Ashlyn, like you said, they become too powerful and they end up destroying each other. Like, the entity inhabiting Spock's body is trying to kill Sargon in Kirk's body doesn't succeed but it does for a second and this is where the episode gets even more wild because we have not one but two fake out deaths (laughs) it's a new record (laughs) (laughs) it literally is i was shocked because like ashlyn put this under spock's list and i was like kirk's dead like he's the first to die in this episode i was like ashlyn you're crazy and then (laughs) spock does indeed end up dying his receptacle where his little orb brain is being kept is smashed and there's no way to get him back to his body because his consciousness is supposedly gone. And Kirk is like, my friend Spock. And it's really tragic. And these entities have been destroying each other. And then somehow Sargon saves Spock. Ashley, do you have some scientific reasoning behind this? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> there's no there's no meaning or reason um, <laughs> when it comes to Sargon, I think. Well, Sargon's actually pretty chill, but the consciousness swapping is wild to me because there's no clear rules set up about what they can or can't enter. Yeah. Because, I mean, you could also argue that this is a Sargon fake-out death as well. Like, there <laughs> might is. be th- there are three fake-out deaths in this yes. episode because Sargon has Kirk's body... Kirk's body has like a fever and, yeah. and is like freaking out and can't handle the like pressure of having him having Sargon inside his body. His heart's beating like double. And so Kirk's body dies, even though he's having a great time. Yeah. Um, so it's very unclear. Like Spock, or I was just kind of laughing at the scene where McCoy is in sickbay with Kirk's body because he's like you know doing his log do i have one death or two right now because i think sargon is dead for sure but Mm -hmm. kirk's body is not working and kirk's consciousness is in the orb next to him on the table yeah but if sargon's gone if sargon's (laughs) (laughs) then there's no being who can put kirk's consciousness back in his body you know what i'm saying so like there's a lot happening and so it turns out, I guess, that Sargon can, because he wasn't close enough to the orb to, like, yeah. hop back into it. So I guess he can just go in the computer. And yeah. no one said this. But <laughs> Sargon, this. for the rest of the episode, he keeps just, like, kind of saying stuff. You know, he's like, hey, don't be tempted. You know, <laughs> and, like, he's randomly there. He's like, I yeah. love you, my dear, my son. Yeah. Random crazy. And so then, I don't remember, Spock has the evil one, or, like, the well, powerful one in him. The way Kirk really died, or his body died, is because they found a way to, like, help manage the symptoms for the humans of having the consciousness of, in their bodies. And so they developed a, like, little vaccine for them. As Spock's body, <laughs> as in the evil man, he gave Kirk a different vial and he totally like messed with Chapel's memories to like erase to cover it up and he totally orchestrated Kirk's body's death Sargon's death James Doohan is the voice of Sargon <gasps> what a bro that's amazing oh my god what a bro we, we know from the animated series he does great voices so that's amazing Spock's body is inhabited by Hanak, and he's, like, evil and powerful because he's in Spock's body. So he creates a serum. He kills Kirk's body. He's determined to keep Spock's body and just, like, go on the run, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, 
And then somehow they get his body out. Or they okay, get... well, okay, this was yeah. something I thought was really cool and interesting is that Lieutenant Muhal Ann, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call her Ann, she comes into sickbay and she offers to McCoy, I'm peaceful, I'm loving, I just, I love this body and I want to mm-hmm. keep it. And I won't hurt anyone. I'll just leave and it'll be quiet and no one will have to know. But if you let me do this, like Anne Muhal, she would agree with me. She would love this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And if you let me walk away right now, then I will revive Kirk, essentially, and put his consciousness back in his body. Yeah. And McCoy is straight up no. He's like yeah, that. flinching. He yeah. said, the captain and I do not speak for Anne. Like, do not yeah. speak for Lieutenant Commander Muhal. And I do not peddle flesh. Like, I will not give up this woman's body for my captain's body. Which I'm like, Incredible. McCoy said pro-choice, yes. you know? Literally. Like, it's I the woman's him. choice about what happens yes. to her own body. Thank you. And I love this scene so much. It's really impactful. And, like, it doesn't matter that Kirk may not be revived ever. Like, he will not do that for any cost. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And Kirk would agree. Kirk totally. would not. Kirk would be pissed. <laughs> Yeah. If he woke up and found out that that was the price, you know, was her oh, her whole life, her, the rest of her life. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, no way. So, yeah. So then it turns out Sargon, he was there all along because she <laughs> she starts to get violent. She's like, "Hey, now I could kill you and yeah. you're still not going to do this for me. Like, you're the mm-hmm. worst." And then she ends up saying like, "Oh my gosh, actually I'm crazy. Like Sargon was right." We do get greedy and too powerful with our bodies or with our like flesh. Yeah. Um, and Sargon's like, "That's right, babe." Yeah, <laughs> He's like, "You've finally seen the light." And then yeah. he like transfers Kirk's. Kirk's fine. He basically yeah. like helps Kirk. Kirk's good. Yeah. Kirk's alive and well. And then Spock is next to die. <laughs> yeah. Spock is wildin. Um, yeah. He's like making the android which we haven't you know that's a whole different subject yeah a whole subplot <laughs> of spock's body that in the 2260s yeah. they're like making androids it's fine but he fully intends to keep the body and so it turns out that sargon is just like manipulating this whole thing yeah again don't know how unsure no science unsure about all just this just a comedy of errors yeah but mccoy okay this this whole thing i thought was completely shocking because kirk so he has his body back <laughs> and he proceeds to smash the orbs yeah. and the consciousness because uh, the ann muhal's body's been returned to her i think mm-hmm. yes unclear yeah clear yeah uh, okay clear. so her body's returned she's herself again Kirk smashes the orbs and destroys the one that has Spock's consciousness. And I'm wondering, is this... Because in the beginning of the episode, Kirk was having a lot of false euphoria. It seemed like like he was really amped up about letting everybody... like Letting them have host bodies. Yeah, like he was really yeah. excited. And he even gave his Risk is Our Business speech, which is right? like one of his most iconic speeches. But it's for like the complete wrong reason, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it was interesting seeing him like that. Yeah, so I, I felt like, again, he's being coerced unknowingly into smashing the orbs. Um, well, he also knows it's the only way that Spock's body will die, and so the host in him will die as well. Right. And because, like, the... But I just... I, I guess if you let... know where to go, essentially. To yeah. Give the consciousness in Spock's body nowhere to go. Because it would be a waste if they killed Spock's body, and then they right, could just yeah. jump back into the bubble, and then you mm-hmm. shatter it, in my opinion. That's yeah. the course of action. 
Um, yeah. But Kirk, I think also he's, like, stressed because Henlock is, like, a real threat to the ship and to the crew. Absolutely. And so he's putting the crew's life above Spock's in this case. And it's to put yeah. down someone who's really powerful. Well, so, and he knows what Spock's ugh. body is capable of. He knows how strong Vulcans are and how if Spock's body was being hosted by another consciousness, he could really do some damage. That's true. And I guess he, it's the same thing. Like, Spock would be pissed also. <laughs> Yeah, so Sargon, he's manipulating everything, which is good, yeah. but they're just puppets this whole time, you know? Totally. And so I, again, like this episode is is interesting because I, I am invested in it, but also I just feel so like at the mercy of these beings and I don't really feel totally. like our cast is getting a good chance to shine, except Nimoy as usual. As um, always. In the end, McCoy agrees, like, Kirk has killed Spock's consciousness, I guess, and McCoy's like, what have you done, bro? Yeah. (laughs) And then he, Kirk convinces McCoy to basically make a poison for Spock's Mm -hmm. body, and I'm, for me, like, I'm on red alert, because I'm like, Kirk is is not in his right brain right now, Yeah. even though he is. (laughs) (laughs) His brain is back. This seems like a really, like, this seems like Kirk is being manipulated by Henlock, you know, that's yeah. what I was thinking. And mm-hmm. also, I have not seen this episode since the first time I saw totally. it, so I actually felt yeah. like I was... You were like, who? Intrigue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was actually thinking, like, this is just gonna help Henlock, you know? Yeah. Somehow. I don't know how. Anyway, it turns out that Sargon made McCoy believe that the shot that he was giving him the poison was gonna knock him out but it just literally just knocked him out and he was not yeah. dead and so hemlock like fled the body and yeah died <laughs> yeah because he had nowhere to go but i guess so why can't he go in the computer like sargon <laughs> they had a fight and sargon like zapped him or, i just don't understand it none of this makes sense scientifically but here we are spock is brought back I guess he had his consciousness somewhere else, and he brought it back into Spock's body. Good job, bro. Spock and... Oh, it's because I know where Spock consciousness is. Yes, I know too. It was exchanged with chapels. Not even exchanged. They were together in the same body. Wow. Yeah, just hanging out in chapel's body. Like, they experienced the ultimate, like, the closest you can get to somebody. Yeah, and also, I just pointing out, like, if you ship chapel and Spock, you are doing a dance right now because that's like the goals for vulcans like is to have ultimate like share your share the katra you know yeah Um, and so for a moment like spock and chapel were in the deepest sense of marriage (laughs) (laughs) yeah that vulcans can have and i just don't want to skip over that like the episode does because right that's insane and i really it makes me wow like think a lot about what just happened like, Spock and Chapel both have this look at each other, you know, where they just, like, have this mutual respect. And I'm just like, wow, that, yeah, you would truly learn everything about someone. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they already have such an interesting relationship. And this adds a whole nother dimension to it. Right? Seriously, amazing. Okay, well, let's move on to Kirk because these episodes are also really, really interesting and it's going to yeah. lead us right into our kind of heavy hitter movie deaths coming up. Right. So probably the most famous instance of a fake out death is a muck time. Yes. Because everyone knows this episode. I don't need to explain it. But in case you haven't seen it or you need a refresher, you should mm-hmm. watch it. 
because it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, basically, Spock is going into Ponfar and like a salmon swimming back to swimming upstream to mate. Spock has to go back to Vulcan. Basically, Kirk breaks all the rules to take him back mm-hmm. to Vulcan because he knows that Spock will die if Spock yeah. doesn't mate mm-hmm. Vulcan or complete like the marriage ritual, which yeah. happens every seven years. Spock, this is his first one because he's half human, so his biology is a little wild. But oh, um, the woman he's married to, to Pring on Vulcan, and everyone's shocked to find out that he's married. Yeah. She does not want to be with Spock anymore, so she calls the ritual. And Rihanna... Kelly V. Yeah, I'm just going to give it to you right now. Will you talk about this ritual and explain yes, what's please. going on? Because you Thank are you. also part Vulcan. Thank you. Um, much obliged. <laughs> uh, so this is incredible and crazy, and I think this shouldn't exist because it's like, it's sort of the excuse like, oh, well, we've always done it because this is the like <laughs> first ritual. <laughs> Vulcan ritual. It, of course, comes down with the biology. So T'Pring calls for the Caliphi, which is the passion fight. Um, and <laughs> essentially, it's not good <laughs> because it's T'Pring choosing a challenger to take Spock on as he enters the Pluck Tau, which is the blood fever. And he has to fight whoever she chooses. So T'Pring apparently just for the drama or just or actually i mean not for the drama she does it purely out of very logical based reasons because she wants to marry stone but like chaotically logical in my opinion yeah. i feel like she could have like had a conversation yeah. with spock and this didn't have to happen oh i know this was very cruel yeah like she's yeah. savage <laughs> yeah oh yeah savagely she points at kirk and says hey you're gonna be my challenger and Kirk doesn't know this is his fight to the death, and Spock is already entering the blood fever, the pluck Tau, and he speaks to uh, to Pau and begs her, says, like, please, you must not let Kirk fight this, but alas, Kirk has already agreed. I guess this is some weird, like, binding magical contract BS from Harry Potter, because, like, I don't understand why they can't just be like, and now he disagrees, because, you know, <laughs> he didn't know it was a fight to the death. Well, <laughs> Seems he, like there should be a clause in there. Spock is not in his right mind, because otherwise he would be telling Kirk all of this, you know, like, yeah. Captain, please don't fight me, because I'll kill right. you. <laughs> Literally, I will kill you, yeah. yeah. And he tries to. They go through the whole thing. They have their first um, kiss. Yes. occurs on this yeah. episode that we know of the first titty chop occurs <laughs> the titty swipe um, oh, I love it. kirk's shirt is ripped again yet again <laughs> um anyway yeah so they have their fight and they move on to the hilarious little like wraps they have um, to fight each other it's like not quite whips Bindings. it's like cloth yeah. whips cloth it's whips. very weird yeah. yeah and then mccoy gives him the injection which is supposed to be oxygen but he also like just put in a little bit of a tranquilizer there that'll make him look dead and make him appear dead well it's a paralyzer actually simulated death yeah yeah so you know good thing for mccoy to just carry around i think he's so used to these fake outs (laughs) even by season two beginning he's like gotta bring it i really love mccoy's fast thinking in this situation because i think mccoy knows that spock kind of blinds jim in a lot mm-hmm. of situations and he's constantly not all the time obviously as we've talked about but he's he's normally putting spock above everybody else i think in this case 
Kirk says it all because he says it's a fight to the death and McCoy goes up to him he's like Jim you gotta kill him and Kirk is like well we didn't come to Vulcan for that (laughs) (laughs) he's not gonna do that and so I think Kirk is like well I'm already in so deep like I've Mm -hmm. disobeyed my orders I've gone against everything to help Spock and he's my best friend I really care about him I can't let him go out like this but so Kirk is in it all the way and totally. so McCoy, he knows this about Kirk. And he also does care about Spock as much as he will not admit it. There's a line with their feud. And I think that McCoy seeing something so personal happening to Spock that's completely out of his control is really humbling. And yeah. reminds McCoy like, oh my gosh, he's, you know, he's got a lot to deal with. And especially seeing how... Vulcan rituals are so intense and just like this is how he was raised I think it brings a lot of perspective to McCoy and so I just think it's amazing he thought of the simplest solution really risky too because what if they had tried to prove you know like they had to do like serious evidence about the death but they don't even have a Vulcan go up and look at Kirk after he's passed out McCoy's just like he's dead oh this is also something funny is when McCoy's like you gotta kill him (laughs) Kirk is like um that's to pow a Vulcan I can't say no to her (laughs) (laughs) he like reveres her it is really amazing to watch yeah it's amazing well and I kind of I get that you know it's like you're in Mm -hmm. Starfleet and you grow up like reading about certain people and then you're actually meeting them like that's I understand that especially to power Vulcan yeah Yeah, that's to power Vulcan like show some respect McCoy Mm -hmm. um yeah I love that and uh so yeah McCoy I think he really deserves a shout out because it's a great fake out death yeah the best one of the best examples of it and Spock is a hundred percent convinced that it happened Oh, it's in part to McCoy's incredible acting in this moment. I mean, he keeps it cool. He does what he would normally do if someone he thought was dead, especially Jim, his close friend. And he's sort of rages at Spock. You know, and Spock's like, I'll meet you up the bridge where then I will be handed over to the authorities, all this stuff. And, oh, it's just so hard to watch the scene where Spock talks with Supreme and then talks with Tapao and like we're saying with Nimoy's expressions and just the way that he acts, especially when Kirk has died, especially by his own hand. Like, you just see all the life leave his body. Like, essentially, he died with Kirk and it is awful to watch. Like, he literally, when Tapao is like, live long and prosper, he goes, I shall do neither. And I'm just like, because you know that he's not lying you know that he will never recover from this like is what he's saying to her well i kind of got like suicide vibes off of that you know like he does not intend to live very long to suffer what he's done Mm -hmm. and i thought that was a really really intense scene because Mm -hmm. she's done it so selfishly you know like spock does not need to be with this this woman like no, she's i mean it just is so shocking she has the way no she did it. yeah no regard for spock at all to let mm-hmm. him kill his best friend yeah, yeah she said either way i would have stone yeah exactly like what a terrible person and i've always because of this episode like i've always hated her and so Same. like strange new worlds is just really doing it's like what wonders happened to her yeah for <laughs> my to i just wonder what's gonna happen to them in the future yeah, yeah seriously to get to this point but yeah that was really chilling that whole scene mm-hmm. and then the reaction is just so satisfying when spock does beam up and he goes right to mccoy mm-hmm. because you know he wants to see the body and he, he like he has to 
he has to talk to McCoy, like now his closest friend, about what's yes. going to happen. And he's like, we have to go to the nearest starbase. I'm turning myself in. I'm going to jail for, for what I did. <laughs> yeah. And McCoy's like, dude, dude. Like he Both keeps of them interrupting him. Too. It's like, yeah. hey, come on. Like, hey, but Spock, hang on. And Spock <laughs> is just confessing. He's like, it's the worst day of my life. Like, yeah. oh, God. And like also, and then Kirk, of course, comes up behind him. And they're like, McCoy and Chaffler are grinning all broadly. And Kirk's like, shouldn't you check with me first? <laughs> Just love that. Uh, Shatner, man, their chemistry shines so much in this moment oh, between really all does. four of them. Like even mm-hmm. Chapel. Oh man, I really love that because Kirk is just so happy. You know, he's like, I caught yeah. Spock showing emotion. Totally. You know, like, oh, he really cares about me. You know, it's yeah. it's Kirk gets that rare view of if Spock could see that I died, how would he act? You know, like, yeah, oh, he he's really sad. Him. You know, yeah. Um, and then really ecstatic when he sees him. Yeah, the gym moment is like <laughs> I'm like tearing up. It's so sweet. <laughs> it's like I mean. It's truly, I think, the first episode where I started shipping Kirk and Spock when I was a kid. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's the one. And, of course, this is the birth of the mini of, of, of Star Trek fan fiction is this episode. So, I mean, thank you for a much time. And I love it. It's so, he's so, like, honest and happy and open in this moment when he's seeing Kirk alive. And, yeah, it's just incredible. And then, of course, he, like puts down the Vulcan face again is like anyway <laughs> he's like I'm pleased to see you yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I just love it it's so it's so, so amazing because poor Spock has had like a really tough episode yeah. and so to think that he gets this beautiful reward is so nice oh I love it yeah so McCoy is in on a lot of plots in the original series and an Enterprise incident <laughs> yet again he stumbles upon a plot he wasn't initially a part of but I, he burst his way in there and did what he needed to do yeah exactly he once again comes in clutch <laughs> in faking Kirk's death yeah okay this whole orchestrated plan everything about this is so cool I mean you know there's so much to this episode but of course we're only gonna be talking about the Vulcan death grip. <laughs> and I love this. I love that McCoy worms his way into this and says, oh, you need another paralyzer. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. We've been down this road before. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, in this time, the death fake out comes midway through the episode. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that I really appreciate this fake out because from the beginning of the episode, Kirk is acting really unhinged and really yes. wild. And he's irritated, he's grumpy, he's yelling at his crew, like, completely opposite to his normal personality. And then he orders the ship into the neutral zone. And this starts the precedent of whenever a captain orders you into the neutral (laughs) zone, you should be on red alert. Yeah. Because this is not... Something's going on. Yeah, something is wrong. Because no one in their right mind would go into the neutral zone, like, for no reason. You <laughs> yeah, know? just like, for fun. Yeah, it's either under orders or you're a spy, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Kirk, in this case, I think, to me, like, I remember the first time watching this, just being confused the entire time. Because yes. Kirk and Spock do such a good job like accurately portraying what would happen if Kirk randomly went into the neutral zone. Yeah. The thing that's crazy is like Spock plays the commander so dirty. Like again, she doesn't have a name, Romulan commander. We talked about this. So sad. But he plays her like an effing fiddle because she believes like, oh, I can easily coerce this Vulcan 
who's she's very fascinated by, you know. I mean, yeah. who isn't? A Vulcan serving in Starfleet amongst humans. Right. Romulans are known to be cousins of Vulcans. And, and he's, like, appearing to be on her side as well. Yes, exactly. And he's convincing because he says, oh, well, I love when he's like, I am a volcanic heritage. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you're a volcano. Yeah, you're going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I love seeing spock undercover as well because he is supposed to be the straight lace man but yeah man he can he can play vulcans can lie people yep. <laughs> all the time it's yeah. like telling you that they can't lie they're lying, they're lying. Yeah, that's a lie <laughs> i implied <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh so this is where of course the uh, legendary Vulcan death grip comes from when it finally comes to a climax where Kirk is acting crazy and McCoy is declaring him like insane and all of this stuff and then Kirk lunges at Spock and Spock just like puts his hand on his face Kirk collapses (laughs) he's dead (laughs) I just love it it's so hokey but not in a way that annoys me because I know it's like their shenanigans especially watching this episode again I know I'm like oh my god they are just like literally playing this up for everyone even Spock is like adding to the drama by being like oh well my instincts kicked in oh yeah well and I I think they have to play even more cool because McCoy is there and Mm -hmm. so McCoy knows them so well and if they seem at all off I mean he's he's like smart enough to not reveal it in front of the commander but still I think she could become suspicious if yeah she because she's very intelligent like she's mm-hmm. really smart and she yeah. can read people well and so I think it's more convincing that Kirk is dead because McCoy is like what is happening yeah, he's like, you you Vulcan <laughs> yeah he's like I can't believe it and McCoy instantly goes to you're just after his position you know again great acting yeah great acting yeah man it's so good and then of course he takes Kirk back and Kirk is fine McCoy catches on and and he, uh, Chapel sees Kirk like open his eyes for a second, and McCoy's yeah. like, "Well, you might as well know. Come on in, Chapel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Kirk's fine. It's it's all yeah. good. Um, and man, just cool as a cool as a cucumber, you know. And he tells yes. Kirk like, "You're lucky they didn't ask for an autopsy because this is very Literally. risky. What you and Spock are trying to so pull off. So risky, but it did get pulled off." And it's so sad that the crew can't know because they're just left in the dark and they're left to be like, our captain went crazy and then got <laughs> death gripped by our first officer. <laughs> I mean, that's some, like, discovery trauma, you know? Totally. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, what? And, like, the good old play dead to fool the enemy, they had to do it. But I love just, like, I just love the, like, captain, you're alive! And, like, captain, your ears! You know, like, just the reactions because... Of course, Kirk had to get, you know, surgically altered to look like a Romulan, you know, naturally. <laughs> Another classic Star Trek plot. And, yeah, I just love seeing the crew get so excited to see Kirk alive and well. Yeah, and, I mean, they were after the cloaking device all along. That's what mm-hmm. they get. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic episode. An- another classic. One of the best. Totally. And we have... Another fantastic one. The Can Tholian you believe their Kirk dies three times? Yeah. But doesn't really. <laughs> but doesn't really. Yeah. I mean, this is incredible. Tholian Web is an episode that, like, I don't really revisit a lot, and I'm so glad that we were able to for this podcast, because, yeah, this is just incredible. And Kirk, of course, is the center of this. His death is the center of this episode. 
Yep. This is a really crazy scenario. The Defiant, ironically, um, yeah. who, are, you know, of course, mostly we know from the Space Nine. This is a NCC class ship, a Constitution mm-hmm. class ship called the Defiant. It has been destroyed. It's like floating through space. They go mm-hmm. on. They see that everyone has like killed each other and it's also yeah. starting to vanish. The Enterprise is having a bunch of issues because of space, like where they're like located in mm-hmm. relation to the Defiant. And so they're trying to beam the crew back and it's Spock, McCoy, Kirk, and Sulu, a red shirt. I don't know. Ahura? Um, Chekhov. And Chekhov. Okay, yeah. Um, and he tells them, like, you guys beam back because you can't take all of us, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then just beam me back right after. Of course, by the time they're trying to beam Kirk back, he has like seemingly vanished along with the defiant yeah this is not good for everyone because this puts spock in command and they have a like two hour two hours before their next window which is an hour and 37 minutes or something okay thank you yeah they have like an hour 37 minutes for their next window where they'll be close enough in like phase spock is left in charge of the enterprise also really quick podcast update uh, <laughs> there is a tornado siren going off here in chicago and ashland is dealing with a lot of air force uh planes going around so <laughs> just a that. lot of noise so we're sorry <laughs> yeah like a wall of sound we're trying to work with so anyway this leaves spock in charge and things always and i'm not saying this is a slight to spock but things always go poorly when spock is in charge due to circumstances where, like, Kirk is literally unavailable. He does well when it's, like, Spock, take the con, you know, like, when he really thrives. But there's other times where, like this, where he sort of starts falling apart because the burden on his shoulders is too great, and he knows that he's not built for command. See, I was shocked to see this, honestly. Mm. I mean, Um, it's the same as Paradise Syndrome. It's true. Like, it's Spock true. fell apart when Kirk was with, like, gallivanting around with Miramoni. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. I guess I just am so used to movie Spock, like, being lovely and, like, can get out of yeah. any situation. And a very good captain. Yeah. Like, he's a, Spock is a great captain, but you're right. Like, that's not, he, he doesn't want it, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I, I was really surprised by this. And I guess I'm just, like, out of touch with TOS era Spock. I thought also it was really sad how the crew was turning against him. Yeah. And also that was something I didn't expect. When they expect. couldn't get Kirk back at the second phase. Yeah, because yeah, Spock, he risks all of their lives to get Kirk mm-hmm. back. And McCoy is being terrible to Spock in the mm-hmm. beginning of this episode. Like, he's saying, like, once again, accusing him of, you just want to steal his command. That's why you did what you did. Or Which is, like, if you know Spock, even Mirror Universe Spock didn't want command. Like, like no. come on. Just like, yeah. But again, like, what we're learning is McCoy does not react well. Um, in yeah. these type of like really stressful situations, and now that the Tholians, but like there's uh, Tholians are attacking them, and at first Spock mm-hmm. is not attacking, and even Scotty says, "Sir, I know you don't like to use torpedoes, but now is the time," and then yeah. Spock does after that suggestion. But mm-hmm. I was really surprised that Scotty even was you know trying to chime in and and help him. I I don't know. Either way, it's like. Yeah. Does he think Spock is incompetent, or does he think Spock has some motive? I don't know. I don't like it, though. Like, the crew needs to, especially in that time, needs to, like, respect Spock and understand his command even more. And I kind of wonder, like, do you think it's, like, a little bit of, like, bias? Like, a little bit of racism? Like, because he's Vulcan? 
that might be like they're thinking he's just a pacifist he won't fire on the tholians like but data. also firing it would risk losing kirk and so that's why he hesitated to yeah. fire and it's then everyone got on his butt for yeah. for firing you know when scotty was the one to suggest him to fire and so this is really hard i think because the whole crew is also simultaneously going through this fear that they're going to be the next person to go mad and start like wanting to kill the crew and be strapped down and screaming like check off so like clearly you can't have a good environment that is positive towards your captain if that's happening you know it sounds like ghosts and wailing at, like, a construction yard on your side. Yeah, I just, I was so surprised by the crew's reaction. And they end up actually having a funeral for Kirk. Like, yeah. they have a little service. And this was really surprising because in the middle of this really stressful situation, Spock chooses to throw a service and yeah. I know they're kind of delaying times until, like, well, Spock is, like, given up on the phasing because the ship, like, messed with the timing of Kirk. Yeah, because um, the time it took to fire killed his chances to... Yeah. And, well, well, and yeah, and the, and the Tholian's presence knocked them into the wrong space to try to retrieve Kirk. Yeah, exactly. So Spock officially declares him dead. And I was just so surprised that he felt like he had time to have, a, like, a funeral in the middle of this. I mean, I this. think it was McCoy's like urging you know because i think that spock would have chosen practicality over this kind of ceremony but i also think that you know maybe it was mccoy's nudging and his own guilt you know i think that he feels very acutely responsible for kirk's death and he you know is sort of admitting to everybody like i'm the reason blah 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 like i shouldn't have fired on the tholians all this stuff and i love too that then he says each of you must evaluate the loss in the privacy of your own thoughts. And then they have like a moment of silence and Scotty dismisses them. And I love this ceremony, but it's also just so awful to see Spock sort of like seemingly begging his crew for like forgiveness and understanding. And then in the midst of this, someone else like goes crazy and starts like screaming and they ha he has to be dragged out. And it's just so chilling to see this scene during a eulogy, during this service, like everyone's so dismayed and it just adds to the like tense environment that's going on exactly rihanna thank you it's mm -hmm. such a great point so my favorite part of this episode then is when they go into kirk's quarters and mccoy is basically begging spock like you have to hear his final thoughts you have to listen to this tape a literal mm -hmm. tape because it's literal death freaking tape, yeah. 60s yeah. Um, <laughs> that kirk recorded is his final words and final advice for us if he should ever be declared dead which mm -hmm. has never been spoken of ever no. but now this it is, is amazing to know. yeah it's yeah. amazing and um the video is short and sweet and it basically mm -hmm. says like Kirk says to Spock, I know you are now making the most difficult decisions of your entire career, and that's really hard, but I urge you, follow your instincts, follow your logic, you will do fine, but when you find yourself failing, turn to McCoy, because he can help you with the human side, and like he can help you with different aspects of command, and that's why he's my friend, and the two of you will make a great team. And they both, like, look at each other, you know, and they're like, oh, man, and McCoy's instantly like, I'm sorry, Spock, you know. Um, well, and Kirk's latter half of the tape is to McCoy, and he says, like, Bones, I know that this is extremely difficult for you, and that, like, you might be at Spock's throat or something of that nature, and then he says... 
but understand that Spock is doing the best he can, and he too is half human, and therefore he is capable of doing amazing things, amazing human things, and also human failures. And I love that, because it also puts McCoy in his place of saying, like, hey, you have to remember that Spock is also just another person trying their best. And this is an extremely difficult situation for both of you. And Kirk just having that beautiful insight into both of their characters so deeply and so, it's just gorgeous. Like, I was in tears watching this scene. Yeah, this is a really amazing scene. And I am glad, like, as usual, Kirk is the one bringing McCoy back down to reality And I think both of them, they like, it helps them come to terms with the situation. Like Mm -hmm. Spock is really renewed after this. Yeah. And he's like, oh my gosh, you're right. You know, like we have to work together. McCoy is a lot more patient with him and like a lot more, almost like having a bedside manner with him, like treating him like he's also dealing with this loss of Kirk. The thing that I think ruins this episode for me a little bit is <laughs> Ghost Kirk. <laughs> Ghost Kirk. He's trying to get to talk to everyone. And also, these bees need to listen to Ahura because she's right. They strap Ahura down because she's telling the truth. And I felt yeah. that was really disturbing. I know, like, everyone's going crazy, and so Ahura thinks it's a symptom of but, her like, going crazy, but. Ahura doesn't think that McCoy thinks that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah, like her not was right. Crying and no one helped her. Not even <laughs> sat by her. Like it's no really one's wiping Chekhov's brow as he's screaming <laughs> in agony. I'm like, where are? I know these nurses and doctors are overflowing, but even McCoy just like casually walks past Chekhov with not a care in the world as he's like screaming and writhing. I'm like, geez, McCoy. I thought McCoy like only had bedside manner with Ahura because he is so sweet to her and she is like weeping um and she's like is it real did I see Kirk in my quarters and he's like no yeah (laughs) he's like don't worry I found an alcoholic antidote (laughs) okay that also that that really makes up for it I just I don't know Kirk ghost Kirk because he randomly appears in the ship and like Shatner's just (laughs) overdoing it too much and he's like floating like whoa it, like, like oh, it's so funny and we've had it, yeah. we've had such a moving couple moments in this episode that this just takes me out of it classic but, TOS. but i love it exactly it's classic it's yep. cheesy it's terrible effects it's star trek yep. yeah yep yep absolutely it's star trek all in one and the way they get kirk's body back <laughs> is crazy um, the whole crew is pumped to see Kirk floating, and then <laughs> Kirk was locked onto the transporter beam, and they blew themselves clear of that space before the Tholians captured them in their web, and he's back, baby. Kirk got beaten back up. <laughs> Somehow. And all is well, I, I guess. I kind of feel like Spock was alluding that Kirk was in the transporter buffer, because he said several yeah. times, we got his pattern as we were enclosed in the web. Yeah, so I think he did maybe drag him through the buffer as they got out of that space. Yeah, it's just an interesting version. You might have noticed, everyone, we haven't talked about Relics, which is Scotty's death fake out in the Next Generation episode, Relics. We are going to save it for next week. Um, But it's a similar type of death. Yeah, Rihanna, it's just sounds like like, there's a ghost going through. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Kirk is here with us in in the room. Ghost Kirk. He's floating around. Yeah. This crew just really needs a win, and so the fact that they're able to get Spock, or to get Kirk back, is awesome. 
Yeah. Um, and they can joke with Kirk and, like, kind of have this inside joke about the death tape now that Kirk's not in on, because they tease him into thinking that he, they didn't hear it. This pisses me off, honestly. I know, I'm like, boys, can you talk about your emotions for two yes, seconds, please? like, how about having, like, instead of a do single do, feeling do ending yeah. where we're all laughing, like, what if it was just a genuine, like, I'm so happy to see you alive, and, like, your words really grounded us, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, like, any legitimate emotion, but that's And Kirk's fine. so, he's disappointed, he's like, oh, you didn't see my... Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Bye. I know. Oh, poor Jim. (laughs) Well, I think... I gotta say poor Jim for something else. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so this is it. This is the... (laughs) Brianna sounds like (laughs) we were a soundtrack for (laughs) this episode. Um, So, yeah, we are entering the final lap of this death fake out race and that is entering the movie era of fake out deaths which is amazing that we have a movie (laughs) era era. (laughs) but of course there is so we're gonna start with generations because that of course is kirk's fake out death we're not talking at all about the last 10 minutes of the movie oh no we're not talking about the real death we're not even talking about the next generation portion of this movie we're only talking about the very beginning and of course this is when the Enterprise B is being debuted. She's literally like not ready to be space worthy. Um, <laughs> everything's arriving on Tuesday and there's no transporter. There's no weapons. There's no doctors. There's yeah, nothing agree. that's yeah. important. The chair is like weird. Um, <laughs> I forgot about the chair. <laughs> something wrong very important. with your chair. Um, <laughs> and the Nexus ribbon, AKA the plot point, um, yeah. is like attacking these nearby ships and the crew like 200 people die in front of them yeah and uh kirk the whole time because there's this other captain and kirk is like judging him from afar <laughs> classic kirk <laughs> admiral kirk because he's supposed to be there just for the christening of the ship but when this emergency happens it's really surprising that no one is prepared but thank God they have this like heroic captain on board with Scotty yeah. and Chekhov, the only people who have a clue, I guess. Literally. And <laughs> Tuvok, I guess human Tuvok yeah, is here. And Demora. Yeah, Zulu's, Zulu's daughter. daughter. So we have some familiar faces. But yeah. in the end, it comes down to there's some repair that needs to be done off the bridge. Initially, that main captain dude was going to go. And then Kirk was like, you know, I overstepped too much. I will go down because the captain belongs on the bridge. Yeah. Tragically, Kirk is able to save them. And then the Nexus ribbon, like, rips off that part of the ship. And yeah. so that is how James T. Kirk dies in the history books. And that's how he ends up in the Nexus. Yeah. In the la- in real life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Kirk did not actually die there. But I, I wish, you know, I wish we'd had any kind of fallout or reaction about yeah. Kirk's death in this movie because... All we get, you know, we were just talking about how when Kirk died in the Tholian web, we had these, like, you know, great scenes of mourning and reactions by Kirk and McCoy. I know, and we talked about this in the movie series, that DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy were asked to be in these scenes, except, um, and when they either thought the script was bad by Nimoy or DeForest Kelly just wasn't interested in the project and wasn't being paid enough, they got James Doohan and Walter Kendig. Great actors, great characters, but it's not the same impact. Like, I think if it had been Spock and McCoy here, we would be weeping like we do in Wrath of Khan, you know? Yeah. 
Um, exactly. And it just felt like they, because it's a next generation movie, they were kind of doing Kirk a disservice totally. by not showing any kind of reactions. Even like headlines, like the Starfleet president saying something like, we've lost a legacy today. Yeah, like, like we, the world is shocked today. We yeah. a, I feel like a 30 second montage, like literally yeah. I would be just happy give that with. To it. If you can't get Spock and McCoy, like I, something. I, I don't Please. know. I know. Yeah, it just cheapens it. And then, of course, it's like real death later on even cheapens it even more. And so I think like this fake out death would have been better as a real death as him saving hundreds of lives and going out the way Kirk would have wanted to, you know, and I I don't know. I just feel like, dang. I mean, but it's it's a training mission. That's true. Not not even a training mission. It's like a just like a a departing (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's true. It's just, it's hard. And sometimes death is that way, I guess. And that's what they're trying to say. But also, it just doesn't feel like they really went hard in on those metaphors or anything. No, especially because throughout all the uh, original series movies, Sp- Kirk is saying things like, I've always known I'll die alone. And yeah. so I, he is fulfilling that. You know, he's alone mm-hmm. on that part of the ship, saving everybody. Um, I guess in the end, the only thing that's better is that he saves millions, billions of people instead of hundreds, but true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not satisfying. Yeah. Not satisfying. Not the death fake out we wanted. (laughs) No. Uh, I don't even know how to transition into this next fake out death because it is the most, like one of the most well-known things about Star Trek is that like, if you're going to watch any movies, you better watch Wrath of Khan not only yeah. because the first couple hours are amazing but because of what happens at the very end and yeah i mean we talked about this everyone knows this nimoy did not want to come back for any more star trek movies he said my character's done kill me off and it has to be great death and so that's mm-hmm. what they did they wrote him a fantastic death and then brought the house down yeah, yeah. brought the house down murdered everyone's soul <laughs> <laughs> and then in post production before they had actually like really finished filming, Nimoy got graduation goggles and said, "I actually don't want to leave. I've had some really good times with you. Yes. Um, let's just like reprise his character." Which like, Thank God. what an amazing choice on his end, you know? <laughs> it's so creepy. It sounds like you're in an air raid. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Like this is the blitz. Did I time travel? Oh God. Uh, um, but. <laughs> Sorry, it's just so <laughs> ominous and spooky. Um, yeah, but anyway, thank God Nimoy chose to reprise the character of Spock and that this is a fake-out death and not a real death. Um, yeah, Rihanna, and thank God they were able to add that remember yeah. just for McCoy to get the Katra. Exactly. So now Spock has shared his Katra or shared his mind with <laughs> so many people and McCoy <laughs> is one on that list. Yes. Rihanna, I, I want to talk a little bit about the audience's reception for this. You know, we've been talking about, did you think this death was real? Yeah. Um, for In all these other episodes. For me, the only reason I, I didn't think it would stick is that the next movie was literally called The Search for Spock. That's, and I think, so, why they did it, you know, to really, like, make sure that people knew, like, hey, it's okay, don't worry. Yeah, but that title was not announced when the movie aired in theaters, oh, you know. that's right, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I remember when we had our dad on talking about Wrath of Khan in our movie series, he was weeping in the theater. Our mom was weeping in the theater because, yeah. in their perspective, Spock is dead. Like, yeah. they just killed the most beloved yeah. person on of, Star Trek. Of all time. Yeah. I, I think, I, I mean, I was weeping too. Like, even if I 
did see the title of it. I don't think I like put it together, you know, because you're just in it. And the it, they do such a good job at pulling you in. Nimoy and Chatner's acting are so phenomenal. Even Duhan and Kelly do an amazing job. And so it's insane. I think I would have the same reaction. Maybe I'd just be more mad if I didn't know that Spock was going to come back. You know, I think that I'd be more mad than sad. I'd just be furious that they would ever do this to us, you know? Yeah, and I feel like it's the ultimate death fake out because so many audience members in the moment were tricked. And I'm sorry, it's loud on my side too. It's so We're just going to enjoy yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but I know that, and again, I'm so sorry to repeat myself with the movie series, but like it got leaked essentially that Spock was going to die in this movie. And so that's why there's a tiny death fake out at the beginning of this movie too because uh it's the kobayashi maru scene and savik is taking it and spock dies that's just purely an audience fake out death because obviously the people in the kobayashi maru test know that spock's not dead and that the whole crew's not dead but that's how they teased fans to say oh you heard spock died it's in the first five minutes so of course he's coming back we're Genius. literally faking yeah. it out. And so then when he dies at the end, it's it's confirmation. It's like worse. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what I knew was right all along. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this is a death fake out that's like one of the most ultimate and legendary ones because... It really is. It's, it it's like up such there with Sherlock Holmes. Exactly. You know? And it's similar a to distant the relative, in fact. Yeah, <laughs> literally a relative of Spock. It runs in the family. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. Yeah, because even like Conan Doyle intended to kill homes off and then was literally like so many people protested and picketed that he was like fine fine geez i'll bring him back and created that whole epic story so we're glad that we have you know fans who will lobby and actors who will fold and come back because thank god these characters wouldn't exist in their like huge depth otherwise and i think that the way that they did kill quote-unquote spock was so good and even though search for spock is a little wild then like it still is a great movie and still when you see spock and you see the katras being put back together and he's starting to become himself again it's just such a relief you know you're like i know he'll never be the same but he's still my boy oh yeah well and even the like when you see his coffin on the planet at the end of the movie and then in obviously in search for spock you see baby spock wandering around yeah, um, yeah. I think it's a, a great way to bring him back. The only way they could have brought him back in this circumstance. Literally. And Literally. <laughs> I also, you know, just talking about services. This is easily this is a much better service than Kirk got. Yeah. Um, and I think much better. The last ten minutes of Wrath of Khan is the best acting we have in the original series. Um, Agreed. 100%. I think Shatner and Nimoy, all of them, were at their peak in this scene, and. I can't watch this. Like, I cried today. I rewatched only yeah. the death scene, and I cried. And, I, I mean, I've seen it. Like, I have the whole scene memorized. I, oh, I have no same. business even watching it yeah. for this pod, because I can recite it to you. But Literally, yeah. It hurts so much, and I think because it's also, like, a part of my childhood, it invokes totally. all these different memories of me watching this movie in different circumstances. So, And, yeah. like, getting to see their reactions and their, like, deep love for each other, whether you think it's brotherly or more, like, romantically, I still... Either way, it's such a beautiful story for the both of them. And this, like, resurrection and reuniting is just so cool. And I I love the resurrection story, you know, when it's done well. And, and it's done so, so well here. I totally agree, yeah. There's a lot of controversy about our last topic, which is, of course, Into Darkness. Came out in 2012, I want to say. So we have, like, 
30 years between these movies. Insane. Very controversial, in particular, because, like, they added Khan to this movie, and they shoved him in as an extra villain. They didn't necessarily mean to. Well, the other thing they wanted to duplicate from Wrath of Khan is the fake-out death scene. Mm -hmm. But instead of having Spock sacrifice himself, it's Kirk. And this whole theme, the entire movie they've been building on is... Kirk is trying to show Spock, like, they're trying to cement their friendship, and Kirk, like, yeah. Spock doesn't understand why Kirk's trying to save him in the mm-hmm. volcano in the first scene. Yeah, trying to break the prime directive. Yeah. yeah, like, it's not worth breaking the rules, essentially. And then Spock finally understands that, like, in the worst way possible when Kirk yeah, like dies to that sacrifice. Value of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I remember in the theaters rolling with it and being fine with yeah. it, kind of thinking, oh no, like, I can't believe this is happening, but also yeah. like it is a really interesting exploration into the characters of Kirk and Spock. Totally. Because Kirk is a lot more, I think, vulnerable at the end. Like when he says Spock, I'm scared, I was yes. I was like, Oh Ooh. ouch. Like this is Pain. really hard to yeah. to watch because Spock is weeping. Zachary Quinto does a great job, I think, in that scene. Totally. Not when he yells Khan, but no, that's terrible. But, <laughs> but when he's crying um yeah and yeah when he says spock i'm scared like i think that is genuine i think kirk yeah like kirk would feel that way totally. you know oh it's absolutely heartbreaking and gorgeous and i just i'm so conflicted about this because i think it's such a beautiful scene and i'm so glad it exists in the trek world you know and i'm glad that they reversed it in this way but i also remember being in the theaters just having such a visceral reaction to this i was so floored they were doing this again to me I was like, how dare you put me through this again? You know, I was almost like, why are you re-traumatizing me to my Spock death trauma? Like, but now you're making it Kirk. So you're making it a new type of just pain, you know? But that's what a good movie does is they really get those reactions out of you. And I was just so livid, but also so impressed by them. And so, yeah, I think overall, I thought it was really well done. Um, Just the stuff with Khan's blood is so, like, silly to me that, like, always with these like death fake outs the the way that they bring them back is always so outlandish and wild that is the funniest part of trek to me with these death fake outs is like oh my god okay i'll just roll with it i guess khan's blood is magic we saw this at the beginning of the movie sure it'll work for a dead kirk you know like put him in cryo tube he'll be fine and he was and yeah, I think exactly right. We get to learn so much more about Spock and Kirk and their relationship and how it grows into something beautiful and beyond because of what happened in Into Darkness. And, you know, death really makes you, like, remember what you love and remember what you could have lost, you know, especially these fake-out deaths. And so I think it helps Kirk and Spock to hold each other closer. And we see this in both iterations. We see it in the rest of the movies that Kirk and Spock... Uh, the rest of the original series movies that they're a lot closer after his death and then also in beyond they're a lot closer so it's really cool to see yeah i think my only problem is i just wish that they had done it in an original way um yeah exactly yeah i know they're trying to recreate that feeling and and flip it and i think yeah i don't know there's no answer you know we can't speculate because anything there's infinite possibilities like if it had been a better scene would it be more convincing right if it had been written better if they had kirk die in a different way that still showed that spock was like very moved by his death like maybe that would have been better i don't know 
Um, I know, it's so hard. But either way, I I do love when Kirk is brought back and his two best friends are in the hospital with him and Kirk, uh, McCoy, of course, has been working nonstop, but Spock is there too. And it makes me think that Spock has been waiting, you know, like kind of life on pause to make sure that Kirk is going to recover. And I... My, oh, I just wish, like, if you're redoing movies, then give me a reverse this simple feeling, you know? Like, yes, I, yeah. please. <laughs> like, that would have been a great, like, Kirk wakes up after being dead, and he's like, Spock, like, I experienced death, and this simple feeling is what I missed. And they're, like, holding hands. Like, I would die, you know, kill, even if they got, me. like, McCoy to hold hands with all three. Kill me! <laughs> yeah, yeah phenomenal yeah i want more of it i want more yeah i just i love feels and when the feels are done right it's really really satisfying and and so rewarding that's why wrath of khan wins every time for me like which scene is better it's obviously wrath of khan because i feel so much emotion from that and you get the sense that the whole crew is really affected and i think yeah yeah, spock chasing khan and catching him and getting his blood you know and he saves the ship is going down and all that stuff like it's interesting but we don't have like again a full funeral for kirk or like no there's they don't have time they're too busy trying to revive him i guess yeah, yeah and i i think it would have been more impactful if we had seen more of the crew's reaction uh, totally agree. so yeah i don't know this this debate has been over talked about but i'm yeah. glad that we have this very very specific angle to talk about yes. it from <laughs> same i absolutely agree and i just am so <laughs> so i'm oh so God. shocked by this right <laughs> yeah um I, yeah i'm just so so grateful ashlyn that you chose this topic because it is like teaching me so much more about these characters and insights of how they deal with grief and how they deal with losing people that they love or thinking that they do and yeah it just really says something about a person and i love love the writing for all these episodes and so so glad you chose this topic so thank you ashlyn yeah i've had a blast talking about this i think especially original series is such a good amount of seriousness and hijinks you know so totally it's been so much fun to talk about these fake out deaths and i'm really really looking forward to discussing them in other series as well because there's like not a lot like there's not a lot of similar deaths you know there's a lot of ways we can kill our favorite characters so (laughs) so many ways to die oh my god (laughs) it's the thunder (laughs) yeah very threatening yeah well rihanna i am excited next week to talk about the next generation fake out deaths and in the meantime try to stay alive with with the thunder (laughs) you too with those planes ashlyn see you next week thank you for listening to the dura sisters podcast please tune in next week for the second episode of our death fake out series where ashlyn and rihanna will discuss the characters who came back to life in the next generation please follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr and TikTok, and especially our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, 
the animated series, Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash Podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, and feminism. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these fantastic episodes. Social Media and Marketing by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Editing by Ashlyn Gelman and Rihanna Hurd. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. And we're back again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Erin O'Toole. And I just retired. Fresh air lady. She was so cool. (laughs) Yeah, she was cool.